Welcome, friends. This is episode 71 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Axe. It is great to have you here. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying healthy. Hope you're social distancing, doing everything we need to do these days. Hopefully we'll get back to whatever normal is going to be after this soon and we get our sports back, right? But we're glad you're here. Hopefully we can help take your mind off things a little bit on episode 71. We got a good one lined up for you here. Had a pleasant conversation, a wonderful conversation. Loved it. With Justin Knight. Now, Syracuse University, obviously, is some of the most accomplished athletes in history. Jim Brown in football, Gary Gate in lacrosse, basketball. The list goes on and on of terrific players that have come through, from Dave Bing to Carmelo Anthony and everybody in between, right? But Justin Knight, national champion, ACC champion, when he left Syracuse, was one of the most accomplished athletes the school had ever seen. Certainly, certainly its most accomplished runner in history. Syracuse running is now right up there. It's one of the most successful programs at the school. We talked to Justin about his time at Syracuse, the path to the Olympics. He was well on his way to being an Olympic athlete, Tokyo 2020 for Team Canada before the world shut down and the Olympics got pushed back to 2021. What adjustments does he make as an athlete towards that? The name, image, and likeness debate in college sports is rare and again with the NCAA making the recommendations that they did. It's not just the big time football and basketball athletes that would have cashed in on that. Somebody like Justin Knight would have had plenty of opportunities in that department as well. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation coming up with former Syracuse cross country and track star, Justin Knight. But as we just mentioned a moment ago, it's been an interesting time in the world of college athletics this week as the NCAA made its recommendations about name, image, and likeness rights. Something, by the way, they did because they were basically forced to. The NCAA has fought this for years, but due to state legislature, state laws, public shaming from people like Jay Billis at ESPN and other college experts, the NCAA finally gave in and said that they will grant name, image, and likeness rights to its athletes. Now, the NCAA being the NCAA, they're going to put in, code word here, guardrails on what this can be. They said there's not going to be a cap on how much athletes can make, but the NCAA is going to try and maintain as much control over this as they can. So there's a lot of different scenarios out there. I talked to Jim Beheim on my radio show recently, and he brought up an example of a starting quarterback at a school like, say, Alabama, making a lot of money, but the linemen would not. Where do you draw the line? What kind of money can they make and how can they make it? There are things to be sorted out here for sure. But the fact that the schools and the coaches and everybody else was cashing in on the name, image, and likeness of these athletes forever, and the athletes themselves were not, was flat out wrong. It's a free market out there. It's a free market for students at NCAA schools. But just because athletes receive scholarships, that limited them on the opportunity to make money off of their name, their image, and their likeness. So I'd like to congratulate the NCAA, but they were basically forced here by gunpoint. So I think we'll hold off on the congratulations and just say better late than never. It certainly is going to affect college sports going forward. You're going to start seeing players like and this is just an example, but Tommy DeVito in local car commercials or Joe Girard signing autographs at a local sporting goods store. Maybe they get a cut of jersey sales or they're able to do their own camps and their own clinics and make money off of their expertise. Gee, isn't that what you go to college to do, to figure out how to get a job, how to make money, how to formulate a career for yourself? How come athletes were so limited from doing that? When everybody else at college, at least the idea was, we're trying to figure out what to do with the rest of our lives. As we know, 
the small percentage of athletes that make it at a professional sense. Everybody else was left to figure out what to do, and we were limiting them from doing that. There's a lot of other craziness happening here in this offseason. The transfer rule, now the NCAA board this week recommended that they not grant one-time waivers to players, meaning in basketball, anybody can go anywhere once without the one-year penalty. May 20th is the vote date on that. Remember that. And it still may get passed. That would be good news for Syracuse and that Illinois transfer, Alan Griffin, who would fit in nicely in that vacant spot left by Elijah Hughes, who is now committed to the NBA, would be eligible to play at Syracuse. The transfer portal would be flooded. There's about five, 600 players there now. Think of over 1,000 in that portal then. The other big thing is the G League is stepping in and offering high-level prospects at the high school level. More incentive to skip college altogether and go to their league for a year, make like $500,000 in that range, and then get drafted in the NBA. If you're a Syracuse fan, the name that's got to pop to mind immediately there is Dior Johnson, class of 2022, top five prospect. By the time this rule gets enacted and the NBA's one-and-done rule changes, which is expected in the next couple of years, will Dior be tempted to skip Syracuse altogether? And that would be a painful blow for Syracuse, considering they lost Darius Baisley a couple of years back to somewhat of the same plan. He wanted to go to the G League and skip college altogether. That didn't quite work out, but at the end, Baisley was a first-round pick. Dior Johnson is first-round talent, top-five prospect, and would be on the short list of players that the G League could incentivize with a little cash instead of playing college hoops. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this all works out in the short and the long term. College sports, along with everything else right now, may be shut down, but it's still changing before our very eyes. All right, let's bring him in. National champion, ACC champion, one of the most accomplished athletes in Syracuse University history, certainly the most accomplished runner in Syracuse University history. I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Justin Knight. Let's take a listen. So, Justin, how does somebody who's trying to get ready for the Olympics train when they're are no Olympics. What is what does an athlete like you do during a pandemic? You know, it, an athlete like myself, like during a big year like this, it was really hard to kind of make that transition on uh, not knowing what the foreseeable future is. Uh, I come from having a coach, which you guys know, Chris Fox, former Syracuse coach. Uh, he's a very lax guy, and in that meaning, like he's laid back. He kind of you know doesn't worry about things too much. Takes it day by day, and I think his mentality has kind of been uh, what I've been doing here in Charlottesville, where you know we're taking it day by day, and I didn't want to get too fit. So I think some of the workouts, we kind of relaxed them a little bit and not try to uh, peak, as I guess you can say, as we would have. Uh, but we're trying to maintain fitness at the same time. Uh, we don't want to get slow or out of shape, too. So it's just been an interesting combination, and... Uh, personally for me, I don't see my teammates anymore over here. Um, I've decided after, you know, recommendations from the government and with everything that's going on that, um, I, I feel like I'd be putting others at risk in my life and even in the community if I wasn't abiding by the social guidelines. So, um, all of my runs I've been trying to, or I'm not trying to, I have been running by myself and working out by myself. Justin, it seems like every athlete's got a story about where they were, what they were doing when things shut down. And you go back to 
right around the time Syracuse is in the ACC tournament and Rudy Gobert test positive in the NBA. And then, like, it seemed like for two days it was an onslaught of stories of leagues and sports shutting down. So take me back to that time, what you were doing, and, and when things essentially shut down for you and what you were involved in. Well, I mean, right around that time, I was kind of getting me and Jess. We were we were talking about getting ready to go see the guys in in Greensboro. Right, I mean, like yeah. it was pretty it was pretty close to us. So um, I wanted to support the boys. I supported them when they were at Virginia, and then also when they were at Virginia Tech. And uh, based off my schedule, I, I would have had time to kind of make a weekend trip out of it. And um, you know, we heard that the it wasn't a pandemic at the time. I would say, like maybe in terms of North America. But um, we heard the news of the potential of the spread, and we were thinking about it. And we decided that maybe we don't know what's going to happen, so we were kind of just playing it by ear, and then it got canceled. And um, I was here at the apartments. I was training with my teammates as regular, and um, it kind of threw me off. And it didn't really – I didn't understand the magnitude at the, at the point in time when it happened. I didn't understand how it affects society or – um, you know, other sports in general. I just saw it as, oh, you know, ACC is just closing down for the weekend. Don't worry. Like, we'll be back soon. And uh, from there, it kind of just escalated where, you know, Team Canada announced that, you know, if the Olympic Committee doesn't take a, or remove the Olympics and move it to 2021, that we won't be participating. And I think at that point in time, it was really brought to a reality uh, of the extent of this pandemic and how serious it actually was. And uh, ever since, it's just been an ongoing uh, fight, just hoping that the world can be able to recover. Justin, I'm sure it was disappointing to hear that, but given where we are now, certainly understandable that they pushed the Olympics back to 2021, and even then it still might be a kind of a wait-and-see thing if coronavirus comes back yeah. in the fall, and it's it's got to be frustrating in one sense, but on the other, understandable. So what adjustments have you, you mentioned it there a little bit, maybe you're, you're scaling back some of your workouts and, and making that adjustment, yeah. but man, that's got to be tough to come out of the mind frame of Tokyo 2020 now into Tokyo 2021. How do you make that adjustment? Yeah. And, and just to briefly mention or, or just talk about uh, the situation now, I think I got a, a lot of responses, I guess, off of social media um, you know, it's funny because my mom, uh, she's, she's always done a great role in my life and just kind of helping me make the best decisions. She always tells me, make sure you think about stuff before you posted it. And uh, I, I didn't really think too hard before I posted, like, my response to uh, Team Canada's decision. Like, it was a really, really raw response. But I just wanted to, uh, to clarify, like, I didn't really have a problem at all with um, the Olympics being held in 2021. Um, for me, I personally didn't care. I was like, you know, as long as the Olympics will be held sometime, if it's 2021, 2022, I don't care. But I really want the opportunity because um, I was so close back in 2016, and this was kind of going to be a redemption year for me. And uh, I think, like, the main problem for me at the time was just that um, the main problem was, one, that, you know, Team Canada, they didn't send out an email Usually, like, being a Team Canada athlete, we get a lot of the emails just on stuff, and sometimes before it's even brought to the public, usually they give, you, give us a heads up. And uh, in terms of this matter, there was no email that went out, and the way I found out was through some random, like, texted me at 10 o'clock at night saying, yo, you got to check out this tweet. I guess there's no Olympics for 
you Canadians. And uh, it it just caught me off guard, I, I think I would say. And then uh, the other thing at the moment, too, was just like there was no, you know, the U.S. didn't say they weren't going. Other countries didn't say they were going. And uh, there was rumors saying that they were going to push the Olympics to, like, October, November. So, you know, in the case that we were with this pandemic where it just came all of a sudden, you know, you don't know where we're going to be tomorrow or the next week, I felt like it was a, it was hard to accept that like Canada was just saying like, even if it's in November and everything's fine, we're not going. So um, that was just like my initial feeling. And obviously through new information and uh, them opening up more a bit, a little bit about their decision kind of ease things up. But I, I 100% support uh, the Olympics being in 2021. Um, I'm sorry. I kind of went on a ramble no, over there. That's, <laughs> repeat that. That, was, that was great. No, that's because it's, I think it, it spoke to everybody at that time was trying to figure out what the heck's going on here. How do we respond to this? And the more information we get and the more we kind of come down the road here, I think we're all starting to understand the situation, but we're still yearning to do what we do. You as an athlete want to participate. We as sports fans want to exactly. watch sports. And I know you were saying it, Justin. Yeah. You're a big sports fan. You follow the Cuse and football oh. and hoops and everything. And I know you're a big sports fan in general. So yeah. you're in a, in a unique spot. You can speak from both sides of the aisle here. Like, we want our I sports can. back. But we, we, we got we to be smart about it at the same time. So, no, that was, exactly. that was fun. Exactly. And I think as an athlete, I think maybe I was, I look at myself and what I said, and I think maybe I was being a little bit naive in the situation because um, I don't really know too much about what goes on at the top of each federation, whether it be like NBA, uh, the Olympic Committee, um, IAAF for me would be um, for, for track and field. I don't really know what goes on up there and like people's feelings. I just know as an athlete, I if I run fast enough, I get to go to these events that they put on, but I don't know like everything that happens behind the scenes. So when I hear the Olympic committee talking about it would be safe to go in September or whatever, it's kind of naive of me, but in my mind, I was thinking this is the Olympic committee. They're supposed to be non-biased towards any country and stuff. They should have our, they're supposed to have the athlete's best interest at heart. Like they're going to run all the tests. They're going to talk to as many doctors as possible and if it's safe, they're going to run it. And I think that's the way I was thinking about things. But I don't, I don't know if you can think like that all the time with certain stuff. So uh, that was probably a little bit uh, caused on my part just to, to, to be that naive, I guess you can say. Justin, on a, on a different note, take me back to when you were thinking about college, when you got serious about it, and, and how you ended up at Syracuse. What's that story? Oh, man, that is a really interesting story, actually. Um, I remember, I'll take it even further, like when I was in high school, when I just started running, and, you know, I was a, I was a kid that played basketball. If I was going to come to Syracuse, I, was, I wanted to come to suit up for Coach Bayheim, not <laughs> Coach Fox. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and I was a huge basketball fan. My dad played basketball. You know, I've been playing ever since I was six. And, um, you know, basketball was just something I loved, and I knew about Syracuse because – you know, you guys are, we, sorry, I don't know why I said you guys, but we were always in the tournament doing, you know, phenomenal stuff. And I remember uh, I ran really fast in grade 11 in my junior year of high school. And all of a sudden, like, kids are coming up to me and saying, like, oh, man, dude, like, you know, you might have a chance to go to Oregon. You might have a chance to go to Wisconsin, blah, 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 like all these really notable running schools. And um, it wasn't apparent to me until, like, 
Ohio State sent me an email. And I was just like, Ohio State? And at that point in time, I think, I don't know if they won the college playoffs for football, but they won, it might have been some sort of bowl. But I was watching the game, and I was like, wow, this is a big deal, Ohio State. And then after they messaged me, a whole bunch of emails and letters from like other notable colleges started uh, talking to me as well. And uh, it's funny because Syracuse, I think, well, not that I think, but an alumni of my high school at St. Mike's was a good friend of uh, Coach Fox. And he must have called him or wrote him a message or a text or something like that and said, hey, you really got to check out this Canadian kid. Um, it's not, I'm not just telling you this because like he went to my, my former high school, but like this kid is the real deal, trust me. And Coach Fox took that information and, you know, he looked me up. He found, like, maybe a race or two of mine online. And he was like, oh, I mean, he looks pretty good. So uh, he reached out to me. And uh, I I didn't know I was going to the States for school. Like, I was planning on going to school in Canada. And all of this was kind of really late. Like, I, to be honest, I didn't commit to Syracuse, I think, until um, maybe March maybe February or March of my senior year. So it was a pretty late commitment. And uh, I had to narrow down the schools, and I was looking at NAU, Wisconsin, and Syracuse. And uh, I ended up only doing two official visits. I went to Wisconsin and Syracuse, and Wisconsin was the first school I went to. And to be honest, facilities in America is unlike no other. I've never seen anything like it in my life in in comparison to Canadian uh, collegiate universities. And uh, just showing up to Wisconsin, like my eyes were just like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in the NBA. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was so, it was, it was mind blowing. And even when I went to Syracuse too, like um, obviously we have really good facilities and some of them are being currently under construction and being updated. But when I saw those facilities, like my mind was blown. I was like, I I couldn't even fathom going to a school that offered that type of stuff. And um, originally on my Wisconsin trip, I was just like, oh, man, like, I'm ready to go right now. Like, I've never seen a school like that. And um, my parents and, like, the coaches were like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you only did one visit, but, like, you should go do the rest of your visits to make sure you make the right decision. And uh, I ended up going to Syracuse, and I had a really great connection with Coach Fox, Coach Bell uh, on my trip, and Coach Adam Smith. And um, I even, the AD at the time was Daryl Gross. And I felt like it was really heartwarming because um, for the AD to make time to actually talk to a cross-country runner, like I'm not a basketball athlete, I'm not a football player, but he made time to talk to me and like meet my family and stuff. And I felt like that spoke a lot of words about the school and uh, kind of what they're about and how they believe in all sorts of athletes and not just like specific uh, sports. And uh, I went to Q's. I had a great time. I met the teammates. Um, one of my friends, actually, at the time, his name's Amadou. He was on the track team, and he lived with the basketball players. I think he lived with, like, CJ Fair or something like that. And uh, after the game that I went to, I think we were playing Clemson, I waited at the end, and he, like, let me meet Tyler Ennis and, like, CJ. And, like, a, I think Rakeem Christmas was there. So, like, it really put on a good show for me. And, um I felt I had a good feeling that the coaches and the whole faculty cared about athletes um, more than just like, oh, this person's here to do this sport, but they actually wanted to see us grow as human beings. So long story short, Syracuse just blew my mind away. 
And uh, I kind of fell in love with the school and the community and uh, everyone involved. So they get you. You come here to Syracuse. And, look, the record speaks for itself. National champion, ACC titles, everything you accomplished here. But I want to ask you, what are you most proud of in your career here at Syracuse in terms of running? What am I most proud of? Um, can I give you two answers to Sure, that? absolutely. So I think, like, um, my most memorable moment at Syracuse was winning the 2015 national championship for cross country as a team. And um, people always get surprised by that because I, I later on won an individual championship. But um, when you win as a team, you get to celebrate with everyone. Like everybody shows up to practice. Everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days. Everybody's struggling just as much as you running up that hill. And for us to win as a team, it was the icing on the cake. Like we put in all the work and look what we were able to accomplish. And um, that was my most memorable moment, just being able to celebrate with our team and uh, you know, all those hours of hard work of running that we did, you know, really paid off. Um, But I think my most proud moment at Syracuse was probably winning the individual uh, cross country championship. Uh, I think it was in 2017, my senior year. And the reason for that was kind of, you know, people think I'm not, not a lot of people, but my, my journey through the NCAA wasn't just, Oh, he was amazing. And he was winning everything right away. Uh, my freshman year, I actually placed 143rd at the NCAA cross country championship. And um, I think just for me to crawl back and, you know, three years later, become an NCAA champion, it was very heartwarming just to see where I was and to improve that much and, get to where I needed to be by the time I was a senior. So, Justin, you brought it up about some of the the, the teammates you met here, and Syracuse certainly is known for football and basketball and lacrosse, but we have seen it, as you brought it up when you were talking to Daryl Gross when he was here about the commitment to some sports that maybe don't shine as bright in the spotlight. As you look at it now, Syracuse is a running school. I mean, there is a track record there. There are championships yeah. there. It is it is really developed into something here. It's been incredible to, to see it come together. It's amazing. And and part of my passion is like I was a part of helping create with create that. And you know, that's what the coaches advertised me when I was coming there. A lot of people I'm not gonna lie, like when I committed to Syracuse, a lot of people on like these little forums in Canada and America were just like, What is this guy doing? Like Syracuse, like before, like they used to struggle in some, like making it to the actual championship. Uh, yeah, they have good coaches, but like if he went to Oregon, like blah, 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 blah. And, you know, what the coaches were telling me is what we accomplished. And just to be a part of that and to now change the outlook, even to have someone like you that works for like, you know, Syracuse.com, um, to say that Syracuse is acknowledged as a running school, like that's really cool to be a part of. And, it's very heartwarming just to kind of change, help change the trajectory of the sport uh, at Syracuse University. Yeah, what really grabbed me about that, I think, not only, of course, what you accomplished, but I think it was just uh, before everything shut down, there was 13 Syracuse alums at the U.S. Olympic trials that were happening in February. And oh, I looked yeah. at that and I said, wow, that's, we got to shine a brighter spotlight on that for sure. Now, Syri- yeah, they killed it. They did. They really did. It was it was fun to watch. <laughs> so, Justin, it, it's been interesting. In just recently, this week, as a matter of fact, we heard a lot about uh, name, image, and likeness, and that debate, and how that's been going on in the NCAA. And they made some suggestions. They seem to be getting serious about it. 
And I think, again, we tilt towards football and basketball there. And we say, you know, the starting quarterback and, and the big SU basketball player could have opportunities. But yeah. I think of someone like you, if if this had <laughs> happened when you were at Syracuse, you would have had plenty of opportunities, I think, to go down that road, association with some running sponsors. So as you look yeah. at that, it, let's let's live in a world where that was an opportunity for you. How do you think that would have gone? And, and what could you have pursued if that was the case? I mean, I think that would have been amazing. And um, I look at it right now, and a lot of people are like, oh, man, I, like, I wish that could have happened when we were in school. And uh, there's a lot of things that we have in school right now, you know, prior to this even being brought in, that they didn't even have back in the day. Like, for example, when I was at Syracuse, my freshman year, I didn't wear the same spikes twice. Like, who else gets spoiled like that? Like, back in the day, that's not the way it was. Right. And um, I think, yeah, definitely it wasn't. But um, I look at it and I think like it would have brought a lot of cool opportunities saying that too. And um, I look at myself and I always joke around with my friends that aren't runners and some of them that are. And I'm like, yeah, like the reason why I have like a pretty decent following on Instagram is because I'm not like that dorky, you know, distance runner. Like people don't <laughs> see me as that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just wearing like really high shorts and just striding away down uh, through the city and stuff. But I like to say that like, I mean, when I went to Syracuse, I, I'm friends with Elijah Hughes. I'm friends with O'Shea. Um, I had some football friends at the school, even some guys on the lacrosse team. Like, I could relate to all these athletes because, like, my world wasn't just entirely focused on my sport. And I think, like, uh, for a lot of guys, I'm not saying it's just me, but a lot of people, when you hear their stories, you can relate to them, whether you're an athlete or not, or if you do this sport or not. And it would be really cool to see, like, the opportunities that that would bring. Like, I, I haven't thought about it too much. I think now, like, being a pro, you know, I'm about to – I need to find, like, a marketing agent and stuff like that. So I get to deal with that as a pro. But it, it would have been really interesting to see how it played out in college. I, I think I would have done a pretty decent job. <laughs> now, here's what I want to close with, Justin. By the way, that dorky kid running around in the cross-country team, that was me in high school. I ran I, did, I, I, I ran cross-country a couple of years, and it was basically because I wasn't good enough to make the football team. But I loved it. I, I had a ball, friends to this day, and I, and I really enjoyed it. So Yeah, it's a, it's low-key. It's a great sport, very low-key. Like, the friendships you make in cross-country, and I think it's just like, you know, that you just are, you're all like grinding together. Like it's, it's nobody's top sport. Like nobody just pops into cross country. It's like, Oh, I was training for this since I was six. Like, as you said, like you want to play football. Some people were playing basketball, but we all come together in this sport. That's kind of foreign to us. And you know, you just, it creates a, a really good bond. It really does. Now let's bring that full circle to, to now. And you know, you're somebody who does this for a living. You're a professional at it. But what would your advice be to Joe Schmo, like someone like me? Okay, if I wanted to pick yeah. up running today, <laughs> got to shed a few pounds, get back into shape. I see all these people running in my neighborhood, especially now because you know, people want to get yeah. out of the house. What's your advice? I see a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see a lot of new runners in my neighborhood. Uh, as a matter of fact, yeah. but what would your advice be to someone like me if I wanted to pick it up today? Today, I think. Uh, how I tell you to do it is, you know, to take it slowly. It's very, it's hard because when you see other people doing stuff or you look at other people's programs and you see like, oh, go out there and run 60 minutes. Like, okay, let me do that. No, I, I, I think like in terms of getting injured and the enjoyment of running, it would be really brutal if you do that. So what I'd suggest is 
you know, you start low. Like, I don't, it depends where your fitness is at, but maybe go outside and run for 15 minutes at like your own pace and do that for like maybe three, four days. And then once that becomes easy, then maybe move that to 25 minutes and maybe pick up the pace a little more. And I think you can kind of gradually move up your distance and speed, but I think it's good to just do it gradual to relax and, and ease into it. Cause you don't want to start running and just feel like death right away. <laughs> Cause that's not <laughs> Cause trust me, I've done that and it doesn't, it doesn't encourage you to want to do it again. And especially like if you're not getting paid to do it. Right. So <laughs> I think like in terms of just getting into running, you just want to ease into it. You want to make it smooth and gradual. And then as you get better at it, you can start to challenge yourself. You can make yourself go faster. You can increase the distance. Maybe you can find a, find a route where there's more hills rather than downhills. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. Justin, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. It was fun to, to catch <laughs> up with you here. I wish you the best of luck in, in pursuing all your dreams. And I know it's been pushed back a little bit, but uh, it'll be worth the wait uh, next summer uh, when you're there in Tokyo. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll definitely catch up down the road. But thanks for joining us today here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast, my friend. Thank you, Mr. X. Thanks for listening to Episode 71 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Dax. Thanks to Justin Knight for joining us. Thanks to you for hanging as well. Don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Find Syracuse.com podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and you can listen on demand when you want. We had previous episodes with Syracuse women's lacrosse head coach and all-time lacrosse great Gary Gate. Elijah Hughes, who recently made the decision to stick in the NBA and try and get picked, and he's moving up the mock draft boards as we speak. We had him on episode 69 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast, and great guests and great conversations to listen to in the archive. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next time here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast.